This episode of Oops! The Podcast is brought to you by Roman Swipes. Most guys have tried different ways to last longer, but thinking about baseball doesn't always work. The folks at Roman, an online men's health company, are changing the game with Roman Swipes, the secret to longer-lasting sex. Roman Swipes are a clinically proven way to last longer in bed. They're effective, easy to use, and fast-acting, but they don't require a prescription. Roman can ship swipes to you in discreet, unmarked packaging, and each swipes packet is small enough to hide in your wallet for whenever you need it. Swipes are great. They will not transfer to your partner, so you can last longer without worrying. They're super easy to use. Just take the swipes out of the packet, swipe it on, let it dry, and you're good to go. That's it. When you go to GetRoman.com Francis, you can get your first month of swipes for just $5 when you choose a monthly plan. If you use the link GetRoman.com Francis. That's GetRoman.com Francis. Francis. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. Yes or no? Did you ever take banned substances to enhance your cycling performance? Yes. I had no prior knowledge of the planned assault on Nancy Kerrigan. I am deeply sorry for my irresponsible and selfish behavior I engaged in. Everybody, welcome to Oops the Podcast. Man, we are excited to be here this week. We are so pumped. Julio, how are you? How you doing, bro? Dude, I'm good. This is good. These are good times. These are good times. You know why? It, the temperature has dropped. The humidity is gone. The humidity is gone, and fall is in the air. The leaves are starting to get a touch of color. Very slowly. The grasp is becoming crisp. There's a breeze. It's very nice. You can wear things that have zippers on them now. I know. It's so nice. Outerwear. Oh. I love outerwear. Accessorizing. What is it about coats that just make you think, I'm going to get fucking laid today? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's Coats like you've got a good coat on, and you go into your closet, you pull out a good coat, and you just walk out of the house, and you're like, God damn, next person I see is going to try to bang me. <laughs> there is something about that, man. The light jacket. Oh, the so being in jacket. L.A., I always feel like in L.A., it's a great time to shine. Rock the tea during the day. In the evening, it's a little crispy. There you go. Throw on the light jacket. They do have that. You know? That is nice for them. I feel like that's why everybody always looks so good in LA is because they have like exact weather mm-hmm. and, they, and they've, they've perfected their look. Whereas here, it's like disgusting in New York. You know, you walk around, you're sweating through your shirt within five minutes during the summer. That's true. Freezing in the winter. Yeah, but but the thing about New York, though, that's so fun is that in L.A., they can never wear a winter jacket, right? Is that fun? I I don't know. I guess it isn't that fun to wear a winter jacket in the sleet. And it's still bundling up, you know? That's nice. Dude, I shaved today, and uh, I don't know if you could tell. Yeah, you look good. Smooth. Appreciate it. You got nice skin. Hey, you too. uh, mm -mm. Do you not? It's fine. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) What, did, what was, okay. what's happened with the oh, shaving? So, dude, what happens is like right after I shave for the first time, I feel like I kind of look like a girl. You do? Do you see that or no? Um, no? I don't know if shaving is what made me think that. <laughs> with my little, my little scruff. You have little this beautiful girl. olive skin. It's like, it's that olive hue. You know? That's the Italian thing. Oh yeah. Damn, bro. You must get super tan. I don't really. Really? I, I can, but it just, it takes a lot of work. I get burned. I'm kind of like fair. You're not fair. Don't tell a fair person (laughs) that you're fair. That's true. It's insulting. Sorry. It's okay. (laughs) I'm over it already. Chris gets pretty tan. Chris does get tan. I get like 
10, 10. But I work and I'm inside now. When I was younger, I used to get like black. Because you would work outside. Yeah. Or just be outside because I was a kid. Got it. Okay. Love it. We, uh, well, lots to discuss. We have an incredible episode this week. We've got Andrew Schultz joining the podcast in just a little bit. You guys know him from Guy Code, from his Quinn Thousand Billion videos on YouTube that all seem to go viral, multiple appearances on the Joe Rogan experience. Uh, he just dropped his special, uh, Out of the Blue, brand new special. It's called The Crowd Work Special, and it's 35 minutes of him doing magic, basically, from a comedic perspective for a crowd, uh, doing crowd work. It's amazing. Check that out now. We'll have him on in just a little bit. That's amazing. He did it, he did it like a rapper. Just dropped it out of the blue. He dropped it <clears throat> on the same day that Dave Chappelle dropped his special. Have you seen the new Dave Chappelle special? I've seen a little bit of it, yeah. It's pretty crazy. It's awesome. <laughs> I thought it. it was so good. As always, it's almost like not even worth saying because everything he puts out is the best okay. special I've ever seen. It's just obvious that it's going to be awesome. It's so fucked up. It annoys me because he's done five specials in the last two or three years or whatever. Right. And each one is an hour. And every single joke from every single hour is better than any joke that I have ever written or come up with over the course of seven years of doing stand-up. Right. Yeah, dude, it's pretty amazing. It's annoying. It's pretty amazing. It's also crazy. Like, I, He's the only guy I, I know of that'll like show up at the comedy cellar or the comedy store and do like four hours of comedy straight, like working out and murdering the whole time. I don't even get incredible. that. That seems so indulgent to me. Does he just hold the audience hostage? No, they love it. But four out four hours, like dude, I'm. You can't do four hours at the cellar. He's uh, he's like I, I mean I can't tell you the exact amount of time, but like their shows hours, are an hour and a half, right? Uh, no, but it doesn't matter. And then they have to clear the room. No, they bump people. So if Chappelle, they, I know they bump people, but do they bump the next show? He'll do it on the late show. Oh. Got it. Or like if it's during the week or whatever. I don't know what the last show is, 11 or something. I, I, I'd have to check the specifics on this, but I'm hours, plural. That's nuts. And like, I think actually four hours. Like I'm pretty sure he did four hours at the comedy store. So that's how he works out his new material. I think that's how they all do. But the difference is he murders the whole time. Everybody else, when they work out their new material, they'll be like, lower your expectations. They go up there, they work it out. It's still good. There's great moments. But he just goes up there and just kills the whole time mm. it's f fucked up <laughs> he was the first person that i've listened to of late who spoke so interestingly about cancel culture and we talked about that in the last episode with corinne but he has of course this this amazing enduring bite you know bit that i think most people are talking about which was his impression of the audience did you see that no he said, okay, here's another impression. Who do you think this is? And then he went, uh, if I'm waiting for you to make a mistake. And if you ever make a mistake, I'm going to ruin your life for it. I don't care if it's now or in 15 years. That's what I'm going to do. And he said, who is that? And everyone in the crowd went, Trump, for whatever reason. <laughs> what? <laughs> and he goes, no, that's you <laughs> and he pointed at the audience he goes y'all motherfuckers are the worst people i've ever entertained in my fucking life <laughs> and you know they're all laughing but it's like 
He's he means talking it. to you. <laughs> and it is a tough time. And, I, you know, it's not new ground for us to say that. But everything I do now, I second guess. I have this post-traumatic joke disorder uh, from being fired for writing, you know, jokes and having my life turned upside down. And even with you last night, you know, we were putting out this social clip from our last episode, which if you listen to it, I made a joke about... uh, you know how I'm DMing with this kid Noah, and once he gets 18, I'm like laying the groundwork for us to have a sexual relationship. Now, <laughs> those of you who know me know number one, I'm straight, and number two, I'm not a pedophile. So you know I'm fucking joking. And yet, based on what happened to me and where we are, I had a lot of anxiety about putting that joke out there. And it's this weird thing where I follow my instincts comedically. When we're doing the podcast, I put it all out there. When I'm on stage, I follow my instincts and I let them kind of guide me. And then afterwards, I look back and I'm like, is that really what I fucking said? That's not going to fly in this day and age. And it's a battle between... Staying true to what I I believe is funny and what has gotten me where I am and worrying about my future. Right. What's the solution? Well, isn't this, I think that this is one of the funny things about being a comedian. You talk like very sincerely and seriously about your work, about your jokes. But then when you look about what the joke was about, it's hilarious. You're like, I believe in my craft. And then it's like <laughs> ta- you talking about <laughs> grooming your yeah. fan to bang him. Right. And you know what? It's fucking funny, dude. It is funny. And that's the thing, right? <laughs> it's like I think, and Schultz thinks, I know this because I've seen him say this, that all that matters is, is it funny or not? There's no topic that's technically off limits. And to me, the greatest mastery of this craft is to watch someone Tap, tackle a subject that everyone else said is off fucking limits. There's no way you can ever make that funny. Take the Holocaust, 9-11, rape, the worst things in human history, and watch someone get laughs on that topic. That, to me, is the highest black belt degree of skill in stand-up comedy. And there's nothing that turns me on more than watching a true master deliver a very funny joke about that. About something that's fucked up. So, anyway, uh, how are we doing? What's up? You've been going to the U.S. Open. Big tennis. Been going to the U.S. Open. It's been a good time. Uh, I did this yesterday. I think this is a thing worth examining in general. My friend is playing in the U.S. Open. She got us credentials, me and my friend, uh, Teddy. Um, the girl's name's Christy Ahn. She won her first match. Very exciting. Um, so, I went, I went to watch her match. The next day, I went again. My dad was supposed to meet me. He ends up not being there. I'm hanging out in the player's lounge, and I see Christy. I'm like, hey, what's up? And we, like, hug, and I'm like, it's a great match. I was like, I'm going to grab some food. Do you want anything? She's like, oh, no, I'm good. And, like, I kind of planned on hanging out for the day. You know what I mean? I was going to meet my dad, but now he wasn't coming. And now I just didn't want to be the guy, like, hanging out by myself all day. Right. I feel like that's a really beat look. It's tough. If you get invited to something, bring somebody. It's, like, it's really bad to just be sitting there by yourself, kind of, like, awkwardly depending on one person. Like, you got to balance out. 
the situation if you're getting an invite. I agree with that. The whole day solo man hangout is is pretty long. Totally. You really find yourself in those <laughs> hours as they dwindle on and on and on. Right, and especially if it's something that you're really excited to be going to, dude. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean, though? Like, I'm sitting around all these tennis players by myself, like, clearly all excited. It's just weird. Yeah. It would be, be, be weird for her, you know what I mean? So, like, I think I made the proper move. I was like, yeah, I'm going to dip. It was raining anyway. I left. It's fine. Going to go watch her match today. I'm excited. Wow, women's tennis. I used <laughs> to have a huge fetish for tennis players in high school. I actually used to do this co-ed clinic. It was a good clinic. It was it was more of like a training All right. thing on Wednesday evenings at the country club. And it was co-ed. <laughs> and it was all the kids who were playing in high school. So it was good. But the only reason I was there was to try to make out with the, the tennis player girls. How did, how did it work out? Good. There was one that I ended up hooking up with. Oh, she was so great. Did you tell her you love her? Mm, no, I should have. Probably would have gotten me farther. But I did hit tennis balls with her sometimes. And that's fun. Isn't yeah, that a yeah. fun thing to do as a couple? Play a little tennis? And yeah, just... I get nervous working out with, with the girl I'm dating. Why? I don't know. It just feels like very sweaty and intense. And like, I, I can't go to like a workout class with my girlfriend. Why not? That's, hmm. Is that bad? Should I work well, on that? Well, okay, let's say that you're at a workout class and you're on opposite sides of the room. That's no problem. It but if you're spotting weird. each other, that's not fun. Spotting. If, yes. you're watch, if you're standing and she's looking up your shorts under a fucking bench press and you've put 15s on either side for her <laughs> and she's <laughs> screaming and her, you know. No, come fucking, on, one more, one more, one more. Yeah, her temples are bulging out and uh, she's mad at you and you're like spanking her boobies to get her invigorated. Uh, let's go kid let's go kid yeah that's not fun <laughs> then you're just like her weird testosterone coach trying to get her all hopped up for to play like gi jane or something yeah that's weird um it's a weird dynamic. that sounds like the fucking gymnasts and their coaches yes sadly those girls those girls have weird bodies Our girls man those gymnasts um <laughs> <laughs> dude seriously the workout thing Working is weird dude it's cringy bro like you're leaving you're leaving slt with your girlfriend wearing your little lululemon outfit and your girl's standing there with her you know what i mean it's so weird but that means that's when you've come more over to her side if you're doing slt or you know any of these classes in new york fitting room or whatever it may be uh you're in her realm and she's probably got a cool coordinated leggings and sports mm -hmm. bra outfit with some cool, super clean sneakers. And then you're there playing in her realm. I think that to me is more comfortable than bringing my girlfriend to like spar in a boxing ring. <laughs> Just kick your girlfriend's Or to ass. do like a CrossFit workout where we're throwing up, you know, de deadlifts and Tires. squat cleans. Yeah, and you're like, really? You can do this? Like, <laughs> you can climb that rope? Like, <laughs> Yeah, but dude, going into her world, though, you agree, is kind of weird. So how do you find the balance then? Is it like, like you said, playing tennis? I guess playing tennis is a good way to do it. I think that's a good middle ground. Yeah. Tennis is good. Golf. I've always thought it would be cool to date a girl who's really good at golf. It would be cool. I don't know why. I don't know. Cause, and then, ooh. Hey, you're she, really good, dude. I'm pretty good. But if I were dating a girl who was good at golf, I wouldn't let her play from the women's tees. Why? 
Because that's bullshit. So could you play for the women's tees? I wouldn't want to play up. I would want her to come back to the middle tees. We would play there together. And she'd be like, but the women's tees are, the, are here for a reason, dude. I'm talking about like a college golfer, like a girl who played Division One golf, who can hit the ball 250, 260. But then when she, she'd probably be like, oh, you think I'm still going to fucking work you? Probably. In which case, we should go even farther back. Or you should get to go up. You say, I should get to play from the women's tees and she'll play from the back tees? Correct. That's not a bad idea. It's not a bad That's idea. That's a nice little swapping of the old gender norms. Yep, and I'll show up cleanly shaven. <clears throat> no one will question me from the women's tees. <laughs> Dude, that happened to me once. I went to the gym, and without thinking, I just put all my shit in the women's locker room. Did I talk about this before? We've talked about we've this. Talked this happened to me. Yeah, I put all my shit in the women's locker room, and then I go uh, and work out. And then I remember later that I had seen women in my periphery when I was in the men's locker room looking for my yeah, locker because yeah. I always forget my locker. I go to the front desk. I'm like, hey, I put my stuff in the women's locker room. And they went, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, but I'm... And they were like, oh. Yeah. And then they went and got my shirt for Because me. they thought they thought Julio was, was, was trans. Yes. Or a girl. They, they thought, thought they either thought I was a woman or trans or identified as something that made that's that okay. Funny. They didn't know. They when he went and said, I put my things in the women's locker room. And they were like, that's where they belong for you. So now I use the women's restroom sometimes. <laughs> I love using women's restrooms. If there's no if there's like no access to the men's or whatever, I'll go in the women's. I'm like, if anybody says anything i'll cross that bridge when i get there but i will identify as someone who's okay with this hell yeah you could pull it off i don't think i could i'm too manly <laughs> they'd be like there's no chance that you think you're anything other than a man <laughs> that's what they would say if i walked out of a women's bathroom women would fucking get angry at me they probably would. and then if i was like no i identify as a woman and they'd be like no you fucking don't you know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. And then you'd show them a clip of you playing from the women's tees. Oh, nice. And they'd be like, well, I don't get it. You're like, look at the color. It's blue. It's the women's tees. Yeah. Like, we don't understand. Or I'd show them like one of my, uh, my tuck selfies when I tuck my dick back between my legs really tight. And then I take a Sharpie and draw the crack of my vagina lips <laughs> and I complete the picture. And then they're like, oh, my God, you really do think you're a woman. And I'm like, only on Tuesdays. <laughs> tuck, tuck Tuesdays? Yeah. You ever do the tuck? I like, all right, so as, hurts. A, as a joke, I've done it. But hurts. then I've had friends who really perfected it, dude. <laughs> it hurts. Does the tuck hurt? Well, if you hold it too tight yeah, between how long your are you legs, holding it for? you start to lose circulation to both your testicles and your shaft. And then they're all mashed back there together, like you're like <laughs> squeezing the life out of a bunch of mice. Oh uh, and that's tough. That's tough. How long do I hold it for? As long as the people need, you know? <laughs> as long as the crowd needs to get off. This is your, yeah, guys, this is Francis' new act. You got to blush up he your face up a little, nice wig, shave it in real tight, and then tuck it. Do you have a friend who will push it together in a way where the vagina that he creates actually looks like it has natural 
labia. a natural camel toe labia yeah. situation because of the fold that he creates. So that's pretty, that's really good. I mean, he's clearly perfected it because I used to have to draw the line yeah. with a Sharpie. Yeah, I'm not trying to show you up by proxy. Well, I want to talk to him. But he, he'll rub it then too. And then I'm like, all right, this is getting a little too Yes, yeah, I never really, I'm not much of a rubber. It's more like a, it's more like a, we know we're kidding here. Yeah, yeah. But it true. sounds like your friend actually. Yeah. Thinks thinks he's a woman. He's thinking about maybe crossing over. Yeah, the old tuck. The old tuckerino. <laughs> God. Man, what? Darren has a mangina. Man- <laughs> <laughs> Is it Derek? Derek? Derek has a mangina. <laughs> Dude, I think that would be funny. You should revamp. You should bring back the thong song. You Ooh. should redo it. Francisco. Oh. And I want you to walk laterally past all the booties, but with your mangina. <laughs> Ooh, that dress looks scandalous. <laughs> Full mangina. Happened. I got a mangina and I can't handle this. Guys, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, fill in the blanks here. If I were in a concert right now and I said, if you're thinking about starting a podcast, I'd then turn the microphone to all of you sitting in the stadium and you would all yell, Anchor, Anchor. And then you'd say, go to anchor.fm to download the software where you could host your very own podcast, see all the best analytics. You could see it in a way that was really user-friendly and nice and not too technical and industry jargony. It's a way that any person can look at it and be like, ooh, that's pretty. And also it's our podcast. And you, there's no minimum listenership required to advertise and monetize. So you can immediately have ads when you hit the ground running. It's really exciting, really spectacular. If you want to start your very own podcast, anchor.fm, download it now. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it is that point in the episode where we welcome our absolutely esteemed guest, the venerable, the pioneering, the groundbreaking Andrew Schultz. Thanks for joining hey, us. Hey, how are you, bud? I always wanted to be venerable. Francis. Venerable, it's exciting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. being venerable. Um, you <laughs> have so many irons in the fire right now. You have so much happening. Mm. Uh, and we were talking just before we began about how, you know, maybe getting burned out or yeah. a little worn out. Yeah. Um, how do you manage to slow down for a minute? Clean my apartment. That's the thing. Francis, I feel like you do that too. I spent two hours yesterday cleaning my apartment. Do you find it therapeutic? It's the best. I put on Chris Stapleton. There's an essentials list on Apple. Mm. And I just went through that list maybe... Five times. Holy shit. And I put on these headphones. Like, where did my headphones go? But the ones where they're not attached to the to the cell phone. Mm-hmm. So I can move. And you wear the strap under Yeah, not behind the back. Like it's a bit for a horse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. I just need to do that. You know what it is? And I know this sounds weird. It even sounds like a joke, but it's not. I shave my pubes because I think it, it's like. It's like the safe version of cutting. You know how like when you like people would cut, it's like they don't really want to like cut themselves, but it's like I just want some control. Release. Yeah. yeah. So like <laughs> like if I've been going, I know I've been going really hard when just my pubes get like crazy. Yeah. <laughs> right. I've just been working. I've been working because I haven't even looked at my dick like that's uh. that's a lot. Right. And uh, I'll just I'll just shave up the I shaved it up last night Good. and it was just like Good. I shave I shave in the shower the balls uh-huh. I'll give you the whole virtual I would like and, to hear about this <laughs> mm-hmm. and then uh, and then uh, and then I just you know do a little trim over the toilet nice but my apartment's already clean so like I walk out 
I clean that first, and then you clean that, and it's just like everything's easy. Streamlined. That's it. I yeah, love that. that's it. It's amazing, amazing to to think about. Um, and and a lot of people feel so much better. I'm being 100 percent honest. It was incredible. I don't yeah. shave my balls in the shower though, and I'll tell you why. Yeah, please. Because uh, in order for me to shave my balls, mm-hmm. I need them to be shrunken and cold, because it why? creates it. It creates sort of a more tougher wrinkles. exoskeleton. I don't know what right, it is. I know what you mean. It makes it like leathery. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then the, the razor drags better across. You don't just scoop them up? Scoop? Well, no. Scoop them up, make some pressure, you know. Oh, you hold them like a Blowfish. chicken heart. From above. Or from chicken below, heart. above. Like yeah, an yeah. ice cream cone. Exactly. Two I come scoops. up under. Yeah. It's like reins of a horse if we're going to keep on this mm-hmm. horse uh, you know, yeah. thing that we've got going. But it's like grab the reins. Mm-hmm. You, or you ever seen like um, rodeo? Yeah. Yeah. Grab it up. And then then I shave because I, I need it to be strong. I need yes. it to be. I, I don't want to shave against it wilted. Right. Does that make it's sense? It's like, okay, it's, yeah. is, is it like when it's Homer like Simpson dried used fruit to for you. choke Bart <laughs> yeah. and his head would kind of expand? That's exactly it. Yeah, got That's it. That's exactly You'd it. You'd be like, bah! Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, what yeah, your yeah, balls yeah, were like. Yeah. Yeah. You looked exactly like Is that what it was? That was, that's <laughs> pretty good. good impression. <laughs> but yeah, man, that was it. So that's nice. what I tried to do. I did that yesterday. I was just like, I was going through it, man. I was just stressed. I had a lot of things. I do that and then I go through my emails. I get my emails down to zero. Smart. I don't like emails. Just Me neither. There. I, I never have more than 20 in my inbox. Can't do it. If I do, I get stressed. Yeah. Things to do list. Anything I need to respond to, I put there. And then when you get like stressed and you're busy, you realize how like unimportant some shit is. Mm-hmm. You know, like certain things that like you just, just waiting to respond to. And you're just like, I don't fucking need to do this gig in Tampa or something like mm. I just, it's like, yeah, it's fine. Do you pass on gigs now? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, if it's nice. not if it's not fun, if it's not fun, or if, I, if it's not something that I want to do, you know what I mean. I just won't do it. Do you ever pass on a gig because you think you might not draw that well there, or is that are those days just gone? No, no, there are places where I don't draw. Mm. Yeah, there are places where I don't draw, but that's not the issue. I just love performing. Mm-hmm. I won't pass on the gig if I think that it will it will be shitty. Like I just don't want to do shitty. Right. You know, it's mm-hmm. like I don't think that really helps you grow. Hell no. I think we tell ourselves that early on. They're like, oh, it's going to give you character and shit. But it's like, is it? They're watching the fucking playoffs. You're in a bar. Like, is that comedy? <laughs> like, it's not even comedy at that point. Right. Like, comedy is you fucking pay attention for a few minutes at least. And then I hopefully reward that attention that you paid me. Mm. You know, I, I, you shouldn't have to fight for it. Yeah. Speaking of that comedy, of course, the big news. You dropped out of the blue. Yeah. A special. Yeah. On YouTube. Strictly crowd work. Yeah. When I saw the announcement, I assumed it was going to be a compilation of your best crowd work moments from multiple sets in multiple locations. Right. Instead, it was 35 minutes of straight, perfect game, no hitter pitching to (laughs) one crowd where you were able to maintain this level of crowd work that it was one of the better magic shows I've ever seen. Thank you, man. Thank you, man. It was a couple crowds. I don't want to. Oh, what? Oh, but same location. Yeah. Same location. I did it. I did it one weekend in, uh, in DC. Got so I think it. we yeah. did two different crowds. All right. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. you just did two and that was it. Yeah. I mean, we filmed all the shows, but we were fortunate enough to get like moments gotcha. from these. And I wanted to seem organic. I didn't want it to seem like the energy dropped, 100%. you know, and just, but the way I looked at it is like when you tape a special, you tape it a couple times. Of course. And then you just take the best parts. So I was just like, all right, I'm 
being consistent with any special, only I don't get to retry these bits. Right. You know, right. This is just what I get, and then I then I go with it. But uh, but yeah, man. I love cool. the setup, dude. Ah, thanks. Like I, I was watching it, and it, there's a couple of things. Like it's you know, you guys are you know acting essentially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a lot of ways that you could have made it cliche, and I felt like each moment you fully didn't, and I really appreciated it. Thanks, thought, man. Yeah, it was one of my yeah. favorite setups. It was really good, yeah. and Alex Media. Did he was good. Job. He did his job. He didn't seem scripted. No, he was really good. I mean, we thought of that. That was like the Sunday night. So we thought of it. Okay, so I wanted to do a crowd work special, and I was like, we got all these shows in D.C. I was like, that's a perfect time because I got all these shows, so I'll just you know take moments from the shows, and it'll be cool, and it'll be one location. So I don't know what to do with it. And then on the ride down, on the train down, I, I travel with Alex. He does my uh, video stuff. And then you guys know Mark Gagnon? So Mark also, he opens for me, he does video stuff. And, and, um, Alex comes up with this idea. He's like, yo, you got to drop the same day as Chappelle. And I'm like, what? So that's in our head, right? We're like, okay, let's just see what we get. And then this Sunday after the second show and, um, we're like, yeah, let's just tape some shit and we'll see what happens. And we'll make it look like we're doing something for the vlog. Cause we do these vlogs. And mm-hmm. then, and then once that music hits game change, slow-mo. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah I got yeah. chills. That's yeah, cool, man. Goosebumps. Yeah. I just, I thought, I don't know, whenever I put out something, man, and I, I don't know, I don't even like, you know, saying what it's supposed to mean, but yeah, maybe it's fun to talk about, I don't know. but uh, like anytime I put out something, I feel like I wanted to address what people need, but a lot of times people don't know they need it, you know, like everything now is a fucking think piece. Right. There's like think pieces about Popeye's chicken. It's like that's too many think pieces if you're talking about chicken and like, you know, everything is thoughts and everything is an idea and every, everybody has something figured out. And what is the real way? It's just like it's too much. Mm-hmm. Like we need to stop thinking. Right. And the reason I put out the special is in this way is because like I wanted people to see that we do have a sense of humor. Like, I completely disagree with Chappelle when he, like, starts a special. He goes, you guys cancel everybody. You guys are the problem. You guys. And it's like, you perform for 20,000 people a weekend, and none of them do that. Like, you can't genuinely feel that way. Mm. Right? right? Like, <laughs> like I perform theaters around the world. And if one person heckles, the whole theater turns on that one person. Like, mm. don't give the vast minority of people this, like, this, like, this power and weight, in my opinion. So, like... The whole point of special was to show that people do have a sense of humor. It's like, literally, I go through every race in the audience. I mean, I don't yeah. like specifically make it, but that's kind of what happens. And every gender and every religion, and they all get roasted and they laugh at themselves. They're not triggered. There's a white bitch in a fucking blazer that I'm just laying into and she is going along with it. She's like, loves it. Yeah. Like the Indian guy. So the idea of the special was, yo, we can laugh at ourselves. Like, but do you think right. there's a, is it possible that you just got lucky that you had a group of people or that you've cultivated your I own audience? That. I curated that. Such that yeah. people who come to your shows know what they're signing up for. 100%. And they have a, a longer leash yep. of, that they're willing to let you walk that is them on. exactly it. And that's what everybody should aspire to do. But like the idea that like you should just walk onto a stage and then everybody should just obey whatever sense of humor you have is, is preposterous. It's mm-hmm. like, it's up to you to build that, that fan base. And right. then, you know, they have the expectation for you. Totally. Simple as that. Mm-hmm. It's like you walk into a restaurant, right? You don't know if this food is spicy or not. You start eating it, right? You're like, Oh shit, I can't eat spicy food. You don't have to 
It's not their fault. They're right. like, that's what we make is spicy right. food. You know what I mean? But I didn't know you make spicy food, but I just showed up tonight. Right. Because I didn't have anything to do. So I'm going to go. But, you know. Exactly. Right. So th- this is the, where I've run into trouble with audiences before. Right. Is when I have people, when I have clubs in places where the majority of the audience said, let's go see a comedy show tonight at the local comedy club. Yeah. Who's playing? This guy. Never heard of him before. Yeah. Whatever. Let's give him a shot. Yeah. And they show up. And I start going in on everything, and you can just see, you can just see based on the fact that it's a pair of 53-year-old, you know, Asian couple, whatever it may be, they yeah. have no fucking idea who they are, who I am, yeah. and they are not having fun. Yeah. Right. Those are the weekends that make you sweat, man. You know what I mean? Like, for me, every time I'm on the road, if I'm, like, headlining a gig, like, I, I'm not a person who's, like, drawing the whole audience, unless it's, like in my hometown or something. So like, Mm -hmm. that's like my life on the road. Mm -hmm. And, but those, when you get through those, and I'm sure you would agree, you guys would agree with this. I mean, you probably don't have to deal with it as much anymore, uh, which is a fortunate thing, but like, it makes you feel like you're like, Oh, I'm getting better. I'm fucking good. These people had no fucking idea who I am, who I am. I won them over. feels amazing. I should clarify. That's a skill that's valuable. Mm -hmm. It's not a skill going into, you know, comedy Vietnam and like trying to survive a horrible situation. Having strangers laugh at you, is comedy. Right. 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 And hopefully you get to the point where the people coming to laugh at you are not strangers. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. That, that is the next level. That is all actually the last level of comedy right. in a lot of ways. Right. And it's like, there are many levels within that, but still it's curate the audience. Then you have the audiences. Comedy goes full circle. It's like you start with bringers and then you end bringers. Mm-hmm. Right. right? That's like, up. right? Uh, it's just like a bringer for anybody listening is like, crazy. Is is at the beginning of your comic career, you have to like bring ten guests to, to get on stage. And they love you, and then they love <laughs> you, right? They want to root for you no matter what. But like the skill of getting a stranger on your side is such a valuable skill. It's invaluable, and like mm-hmm. that's what we got to learn how to do. So the times where we bomb, we're like, okay, I got to learn how to manipulate them this way. It's like if it was my crowd, I could just keep railing and railing on the Red Sox and how shitty they are. But hey, maybe if I'm up in Massachusetts, they're gonna need me to kind of like cushion that with some self-deprecation that will like satisfy any animosity they have to me so then i can get into red sox and they're like well shit he makes fun of himself why can't he make fun of our guy like there's all these levels of manipulation that you can learn from the road that's what all the road taught me and like clubs in the city is like how do i get away with something i know is funny how do i get you to be okay mm-hmm. like if in every one of my sets or like even like our specials there's like a rhythm to it it's like Early on, it was like, women ain't shit, women ain't shit, women ain't shit, women ain't shit. Hey, we kind of ain't shit, too. We kind of ain't shit. Women ain't shit, women ain't shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? But you need we kind of ain't shit, too, before the girls revolt. Totally. Right? And mm-hmm. then in the later stuff, it might be like, you know, the PC sh- culture is stupid, and you should be able to make fun of trannies. You should be able to make fun of trannies. But you know what? You know, y'all got a rough... T- there's mm-hmm. this balance, mm-hmm. you know? And I think, like, I think comics that don't recognize the balance just ignore like like the human aspect of an audience it's no different than like having a conversation with someone if you just keep railing on the same shit for 45 minutes they're gonna be like bro we get it mm-hmm. <laughs> like what else is going on over here <laughs> right. totally so I think that's what it is it's like that's what I learned from the road that's the most valuable part is is the is feeling like they're fucking emotions right totally. what are you most excited about right now Comedy, man. Comedy is in a great position, man. Like, when you see the biggest comic in the world, Dave Chappelle, like, do a fucking 
you know, really go at, like really stand up for comedy and like go after, you know, cancel culture, if you will. Like that's exciting for me because like when I put views from the sis out, the last special, the, the idea of it, like in my mind, I think you can only directly affect people below you in the ecosystem and you indirectly affect the the people above you. Right. So Chappelle's like so far above me. Right. So it's like, but the idea was, you know, if I put this out and it does really well, the guys upstairs are going to start going, all right, fuck it. We could say shit. Now it, it will just be, it won't be like they're going to watch it, but they'll hear shit. You know what I mean? Like, Chappelle gave me a tag from one of my bits and the views from the cis thing, you know, through Mo, like just random things kind of happen. But that kind of permeates culture. If I put that out and I got went to prison for it, then I think people are like, oh, shit, Mm. don't do it. So like the cool thing about it is seeing like when I put that out, obviously you you have to do it for yourself. You're like, I just want to put this work out. It's so much fun. But then there's also part of you. It's like I love comedy more than anything. I want to see comedy be as you know edgy as possible. And. The, the, the special wasn't a challenge to the audience. The special was a challenge to comics. Like the initial, the intro was comedy sucks. That's our fault. You know? So when, when I see the top of the top guy use his platform to like put that message out there, I'm like, yo, we fucking did it, man. That's right. It's just true, sick. man. It's Is cool. there anything that could stop you or set you back or handcuff you? Yeah, they're trying now. Like, uh, they're trying now. They, I don't know who they is, but, like, it's happening. Because I'm not powerful enough to where they can't silence me. You're not a made guy. I'm not made. Right. You're close. That I think I got a little while to go because, like, I think made means if they do something to you, it would cause too much of a problem. Mm-hmm. So they don't do anything to you. Like, you could kill Epstein, Right, you can't kill Clinton. Mm-hmm. Right, do you know right. what I'm saying? Like, if yeah. Clinton's get someone bodies Clinton, we're gonna be like, whoa, right. whoa, 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 what's yeah. happening? Mm-hmm. Right. So, like, right now, like, you can't say you can't do shit to Rogan. You can't demonetize him. You can't shadow ban him. You can't do can't nothing because this, he'll go right on a podcast and he'll just you know shine a light on it. Like the Instagram shadow ban me, right, for no real reason. What does that mean? Yeah, it's fascinating. Go ahead. It basically makes you unsearchable. Uh, so like you type my name in and it wouldn't pop up still or no no i'm back and okay. the reason i'm back is because rogan talked about it on the podcast and the next day i was back no way That's that crazy. bro the thing is like the one of the most disappointing things about like this business not this business one of the world is when you go like really independent like i've gone you realize that it ain't free it's rigged still. It's mm-hmm. just less rigged. Right. It's not some like bozo exec at Comedy Central saying no, but it is like a brand that cares about their advertising dollars and they care about their image. And they're like, will this content provide what we want our platform to provide? You know, Francis, I'm staring down at your mangina right now and I'm noticing that you're wearing a fresh pair of bird dog shorts. Sure am. Guilty as charged. <laughs> as am I. You can see my mangina right through these BDs. <laughs> it's popping right out. <laughs> yeah. They are the most comfortable shorts sure that you can wear. They are terrific for playing tennis, which is something that you and I do both regularly. And uh, they have gym, they're gym shorts with a built-in silky soft inner boxer brief that makes underwear obsolete. It literally feels like we're wearing nothing, like we're walking around naked, just flapping our mangina gums. Yeah, pop, pop, flap, flap. Let that clam breathe. Enjoy. 
You can wear them in the water. They dry faster than a bathing suit. Go to birddogs.com, enter promo code FIRED, and they'll throw in a pair of nunchucks. Yep, you heard that right, nunchucks. They'll give you an actual weapon along with your pair of bird dogs. That's birddogs.com, promo code FIRED, and boom, a free pair of nunchucks with your pair of bird dogs. You will not take these things off. We promise you. Like yesterday, someone sent me a video on YouTube of them, uh, YouTube asking them to review my special. And he's like, I've never had this happen before. So what they're doing is making sure people aren't upset by it so the advertisers don't get pissed off. Mm. Interesting. But they're monitoring me. Yeah, so it's like, I basically, this is an important time for me. I need to make it over to hump. And if I make it over to hump and we get to the point where it's like, oh shit, okay. Okay, if, if, if you do something to him, it's going to be way worse than if you just let him fuck around. Right. Because I'm no Alex Jones. Right. Or whatever that guy's right. name is, Alex yeah. Jones, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. But, like, that that's just what happens. Instagram, they're like, wait a minute. This guy's getting a lot of reaction on his videos, and he's kind of problematic. Do we want to continue to let that happen? Because you're they're marking trajectory, right? They're like, oh, shit, this is getting bigger and bigger and bigger. What's going on? And this guy... Whoa, 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 whoa. Mm-hmm. You know, so they're like, let's nip this right now. Mm-hmm. Right. But dude, you've built an army, man, which is, and I noticed this very specifically, and I don't know, you know, how you, how much you plan out the rhetoric of this or whatever, but when you're posting, you're like, we did it. Yeah. We, and, and you, you did. And like, yeah. I feel you were talking about empowering your fans before, and I yeah. feel like this is the way that you want to, you Hell want yeah. them to feel like they're part of it. They are. And it's awesome. Let's like, literally, if, if there weren't group texts, I wouldn't have a career. What do you mean? <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's like, like people like, sharing. Yeah. yeah like totally. Instagram messenger group text. Like that's how people know about me. Emails. Like it's not, I don't have a marketing tool. I don't have billboards. I just put it out there. And if you like it enough, you're going to share it with your boys. Right. Okay. Cool, so, man. so here's a question based yeah. on that. One of the things that you do that I still don't know how to get my head around is the turnaround time of your work, bro. You go on the road yeah, and you do four shows in a weekend, and yeah. the next day, you've got a perfectly formatted, captioned Instagram clip, yeah, as well as a YouTube, you know, go along, yeah, and 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 that comes out the next day, yeah, and you've got this amazing guy, Alex Media, yeah, Alex is incredible man. All self talk. Do all of it, Alex and Mark, and it used to be just Alex. And Alex is Alex is a full time. He's on full time, right? Right. And uh, now Mark is as well. And basically, we like divide up the labor. Alex is also doing a podcast. Keep that in mind. He right. does flagrant tip, and he tapes and does the clips for Brilliant Idiots. So his, but he didn't Jesus. sleep for almost like six months. I think like there was a six month stretch where he didn't sleep. He was starting to get like alopecia. Like there were like patches of hair falling out. And I'm such a psycho. I'm just like, well, that's what we got to do. You know, uh, right. <laughs> a small sacrifice, some hair, you know? So, uh, so we, <laughs> how bad do you want? Yeah. This? Right. And he wanted it bad, but, um, yeah. So we basically, you know, we try, we try to create a workflow where we're like, if we get a good clip, we can have it uploaded. The our biggest barrier for content is hotel internet. Right. Mm. Like hotel internet, you can't get a fucking video up on YouTube. Right. So we're walking around looking for Starbucks and <laughs> Dallas, you know, yeah. just trying to find something. And um that's the biggest barrier, but but yeah, I mean like with with the latest special, the crowd work special, we edited for 30 hours straight to get it out the same day as Chappelle. 
We had 30 hours straight in Alex's house, two different like edit stations. And I'm just bouncing between each one. One guy captioning one guy. Like it was just, it was crazy. You didn't caption the whole thing though, right? Well, I captioned, you captioned the audience. And then I did something that I, that I think we might incorporate more, but like I captioned certain punchlines. I'm like, and I wanted to create like a comic book feel. Yes. Bam. Pow. Very bam. true. That's and it because it would come That's up cool. one word stacked a lot of the times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mark is really good at that. Like, I think a lot of mis- a big mistake a lot of comics make now that everybody's doing the videos is they like put like four lines of script in the mm. transcription, mm-hmm. and it's just like, well, you're giving away the joke. Now I'm just reading yeah. jokes. Right. Like what we try to do is we'll put a couple lines of setup, but the punch we try to stagger. Mm-hmm. Right, we might even save the final word for the punch. Well, that brings us to a great question, <laughs> which is that the point of our podcast yes. is mistakes. Yes, and uh, as a guy who always is not afraid to push the envelope, yeah, whose brand it is, I would say, to yeah. to, to be unapologetically uh, flagrant, as yeah. you, you put it. Um, has there been a moment in your career where even you thought, "Shit, I wish I could have that one back." Probably. Uh, I have a very like weird perspective on mistakes and shit. That's, that's probably not the best for this podcast. That's okay. We like hearing different perspectives. I almost don't believe in them. So like, yes, that fucked up thing happened and I fucked up, but that gave me a tool to handle something. So we call that fucking upwards. Yes. You told me about this. Love this term. So I believe in fucking upwards. I, I, I truly believe that, uh, you either win or learn, right? So, like, I'll take any loss and I'll be like, okay, now I know what to do next in that situation. Now I know how to fuck with this situation. Like, I used to be so infuriated when, like, we would mess something up with the video or we'd lose audio or that kind of shit. And now it's like, okay, well, now we know we got to use an individual card for each situation. I've just accepted. And I think that comes with financial stability. I think it's really hard to just accept shit, you know, when you're, like, trying to survive. But I think like when you, you have you have a little money, you can be like, okay, mistakes happen. Right. We got here. Uh, early shit in my career. Again, like, you know, like giving honest opinions to people who don't want honesty. They just want. About like their stand-up or something? Not or? even stand-up. Like, I mean, I'm just talking on podcasts without being funny. Just like talking honestly about like terrorism or some shit. Or like talking mm-hmm. honestly about like issues happening in America and like not using like the skill of jokes to execute the points, just like talking bluntly, mm-hmm. thinking people wanted to hear what was really happening. And I realize now it's like, people don't want that. You got to like show them. You can't just tell them. So that was maybe that was a learning time. Right. And like, I mean, I got called every name under the book because of just opinions that I was sharing. It was just, it wasn't even opinions. It was just like, Hey, this is information. Would you like this information? This is some shit I, I researched and, there's another side to this story, but a lot of people, they just listen to, you know, they just want confirmation, not information, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. And, um, so I put, so, but what I learned from that was that like, if you stick to your guns, no matter what, they eventually respect you. We were talking about this before you got here. Dude, it is fascinating. The people the people that back in the day were like, yo, you're problematic, you're fucked up, like, you have these horrible views, this, that, the other. The fact that I haven't wavered, now those exact same people are like, nah, he's just wild. Totally. Nah, he's just crazy. 
Now he's a comedian. I've watched the exact same people on Twitter that used to fucking hate me. We need to cancel Schultz. Get the fuck out of here. Come around to now you gotta understand comedy is different and you can't censor jokes. Da, da, da. And it's just from never apologizing, never wavering. And eventually, if you walk through the fire, people go, it's some Khaleesi shit. Right? It's like mm-hmm. nobody respected her. And then she got lit on fire and then walked out. They're like, it's a bad bitch. Mm-hmm. Totally dude. She she fucks with fire. Totally. So that's 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 what I would take from like a oops moment. Don't ever apologize. So never. I apologized after I got fired. No, you didn't. On Twitter I did. Yeah, but you were on my podcast making fun of that dead bitch like a week after. True. True. <laughs> then I, then but then then it's like I'm walking back the apology. <laughs> I didn't kill her. I, get out of here. I, what, come on. What do you want me to do? She's dead. You can't defame a dead person. That's what the lawyer told me. <laughs> Why? That's all we do. We, I'm saying you cannot. You you You've you're legally, legally cannot get. Defamation. You're you're not. You can't get in trouble oh. for defaming a dead person. Oh, I thought you meant like we can't do it as a society. No. I asked my lawyer. I was like, "Is yeah. there a chance that her family can come after me and sue for, for defamation?" Right. And he said, "No. She, legally speaking, you can't defame a dead person because she no longer has a character." I don't know exactly why. It's defamation of character. Yeah, right. But you need to be breathing to right. have that. But we don't know if she feels offended. We don't know if she feels aggrieved. Right. Right. But that's also why, like, oh, when true. Michael Jackson's accusers come out, yeah, the, the estate never goes after them. They can't. That was annoying about this Chappelle special is that we have a similar Michael I, Jackson. I was going to ask you about that. I thought about asking you about that. And my joke's better. I, I love your joke. That's probably one of my favorite jokes. It's a better joke. His, his is like a couple throwaway lines. And but there's no like big payoff, in my opinion. Right. And we we both come to the same conclusions on a couple things. But this that's set up for me to get to the second part of my joke, which is putting myself in that situation. Yeah. And I think that's why Chappelle got a lot of heat for us, because he didn't put himself into the situation. Yeah. It was he was just talking about the kids and he's like, he didn't make him the kid. Right. He made him the parent. And and I thought he left some great meat on the table, which was he had this, which I thought was brilliant. He had that this idea that the, uh, uh, what is it? The uh, uh, I'm a victim blamer. Right? Yeah, that was funny. But then he goes with, he goes with the Chris Brown Rihanna situation. Yeah, you don't need to go there. Mm. Go with you're a parent. You have two kids, right? Totally. I got in trouble in school. What did you do? Mm-hmm. We're all victim blamers. Make it relatable and then build to Chris Brown Rihanna. But now that we all agree that we victim blame, like literally all of us, this is what we do. Mm-hmm. That is parenting. Parenting is victim blaming, right? right? Good parenting, right? You Good parenting out of- key. Good, yes, parents right. who don't victim blame, their kids become fucking monsters. Horrible kids. Horrible kids. Totally. Right? So that's what I, that, whatever, that's what I would, I mean, look, Chappelle's the fucking goat. Who am I to tell him how to do stuff? I just feel like, I feel like he just wanted to say something about the Michael Jackson. I feel like he would want to check a few boxes off. He had his chunks where it was like, this is beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, like the censorship thing in Comedy Central. I mean, it's fucking beautiful, right? Yeah. Like, I think he had his things, and then he had other stuff, which is like, yo, I got to talk about Louie. I got to hit Mike Jackson, and I got to hit R. Kelly. Jesse Smollett and, right. and the Kevin Hart Oscars thing. Yeah, even the Jesse Smollett shit. Like, I put that out on Instagram day one. But, like, I think a lot of people reach that conclusion. Oh, right, right. Right, like the idea yeah. that, like, you know, if, you, if you're racist, why are you watching Empire? If you're homophobic and racist, you don't watch Empire. Yeah. Like, but 
I think what's important about this is realizing that like comics do have similar ideas. There's not that many ideas out there. Like there's not that many takes. Right. So it's like, we try to have unique take, but there are parallel thinking and we don't have to. Chappelle's never seen me. I've never seen him do that. Like these things just happen. Right. Out of respect for him. I, I cut it out the act. Right. We're all working from the same textbook. Source material. Yeah, we have right. the same homework assignments. It's like you Happens see all the time. how many different doors are there right. or luggage. You ever go to the airport and you're like, well, all right, it's all the same. Right. But it's a little different. Yeah. You know, but when you when a guy with that kind of gravity does it, it just squashes the whole. Yeah. Yeah, so sure. so here's the question. I mean, yeah. have you been accused of joke appropriation or whatever or parallel any of that shit since the specials came out? No, because I never released my material. You haven't released the Michael If Jackson. anything, people were like, yo, Chappelle did your Michael Jackson joke. Right. Right. Because they've seen me on tour with it. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's been I've been touring that joke for a while. So maybe five months, something like that. Mm. You know, so that's never. Excuse me. That's never been um, that's never been an issue for me, really. And I, I think maybe it's never been an issue for me just because I put out so much content. Mm-hmm. It's like I probably put out three hours of stand-up in the last six months. Now, stand-up meaning like sometimes it's crowd interaction, et cetera. But it's like, are you really going to accuse me of stealing? Like, if I'm putting out this much, you think I need to borrow a line mm-hmm. from some? It's just... To me, it's just it's just yeah. like dude. When comedians talk about it, it makes me the most kind of like it's it like what you're saying. This yeah. concept should be obvious to comedians. And sometimes I'll hear comedians talking about like bit theft and stuff in this kind of context. It's just silly. Oh, what the fuck man. are you talking? I've about? never I've never outright accused someone of stealing my bit. And I've had I've had people do jokes that were very similar to mine. And my approach is always like, bro, we both had the same idea, like. I just want to let you know that I've been doing it and that's it. You could do whatever you want with that. I'm not a patent whore. Mm-hmm. Totally. Right? Like I kind of believe patents are stupid. Do people patent jokes? No, but like just yeah, the, the idea concept. of patenting is so yeah. fucking Western. And I love Western society. I think it's amazing. Blah, blah, blah. But it's such a fucking hilarious, like elitist idea. Like I invent the zipper. <laughs> Some guy in Turkey who's never met me before wants to close his jacket. Right. And then I go, you can't close your jacket. You got to pay me to close your jacket. And he's like, why? I just wanted to close it. It's not a crazy idea. He's like, yeah, but I invented closing jackets. And then I stamped the paper. So that means it's it's fucking stupid. Right? It's like, what the fuck makes you the owner of the zipper? I do think there are some ideas that come forward that are so intricate and so unique that uh, for someone to copy it is just, it's, it's blatant. Right. No, no. Copy is different than have parallel thinking. Okay. Yeah. Like what what I'm saying is like it's possible to invent the wheel in Greece and then invent the wheel in Japan. Totally. And just because the person in Greece came from a culture that like patents shit and the person in Japan was just like, well, people should just have wheels. Mm -hmm. Doesn't mean that the Japanese guy got to pay the Greek guy. Right. And I think that's the thing with with stand up for me. It's like if you and I have a similar take on something, I don't tell you to not do it. I just go, hey, I just want to let you know I have it. You know what I mean? And then you should do it. If we're ever on the same show, just be aware of that. And yeah. that's it. That I had a guy be, opening for me. Yeah. Totally. I had a guy open for me. Um, really funny guy. And um, he, d- he did a joke that was similar to one of my last special. And I didn't tell him not to do it. I was like, yo, just to let you know, my crowd is here. 
they might be familiar with that bit. So you have that information, do what you want with it. I don't do the joke anymore. You can continue doing it. But if I were you, I wouldn't mm-hmm. want you to be in a shitty situation. I want yeah. this show to go yeah. on. I worked on, in, in my early days in comedy, the bit I was working on so much was comparing the struggles of having red hair to what black people have gone through for thousands of years. And I had stumbled upon a number of interesting things, one of which was that the bad term for a redhead, ginger, is an anagram of, of the, the N-word. Same right, exact right. letters in just a different arrangement. I mean, and this I thought, is annoying, but go on. I thought, my God, that is a billion-dollar idea for a joke. Like, there it is. I've brought it home, you know? And I write it all out, <laughs> and then... Someone shows me Tim Minchin. Tim Minchin. And you play piano. Yeah. Like, you definitely can't do that bit. And he's got red hair. Yeah. I know. I mean, it was as if I, and I had never seen it before. Yeah. And he, first of all, the one, the one thing that uh, made it fine yeah. was that he had done it so much better than me. Right. That you're like, all, all right, right I fine. was never going to get the joke there. Yeah. So it's okay. You know what I mean? Like, the, the, the highest version of that joke exists and yeah. someone else has done it i'm at peace with it yeah right but it also was a valuable lesson that you just have to write constantly because you'll it's run into happen. times where you find out chunks of your material material have already been done so you have to start from scratch and, and dump the whole thing it's impossible that it's not going to happen to you if you're actually doing comedy actively yeah 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 you know it's interesting we uh we almost released my michael jackson joke first but I have so Did you much. know Chappelle was going to do that joke on the special? So Alex Media went to see Chappelle on Broadway, which was maybe a week or two before he released the special. And he's like, yo, just saw Chappelle. You got the Michael Jackson joke. You guys touch on similar things. So part of me was like, should we just you know, beat him to the market with it? I didn't steal this joke from him. He didn't steal it from me. But I know he's got so much gravity once he does. And then the other part is like, I think you got to have some respect for the OGs. You know what I mean? Like, Definitely. If Chris Rock or Chappelle, you guys have parallel thinking, it's their thinking. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You yes. just let them go with it. And it, it just is what it is. We're going to think of more jokes. Mm-hmm. We're going to think of more ideas. But that's just how much respect I have for those guys. So will you now not tell your Michael Jackson joke anymore on tour because no. everyone has seen the Chappelle version? Can't do it. Right. It's done. It's done. You've retired it. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. But like, good move, man. You know, it's tough. Sometimes it's like, it's like when you're editing. It's a good joke. You have to man. cut. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's I think it's one of your best jokes. That's the joke that, that I got the standing ovation for in Montreal. Yeah. That's what Ashley Heseltine said, that that was the joke that made her think you were going to sell out Madison Square Garden soon. Who's Ashley? Uh, Girls Gotta Eat. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And you know what sucks is that it's the second part of the joke where they fucking, the part that he doesn't touch upon at all, that I think really builds and builds and builds and then... Is there no way for you to change your foundation such that you could work into that second part? There's a couple things. I mean, the the basic... The basic difference... I mean, we're basically downplaying molestation because of who molested you, right? So, like... The idea, I don't want to give away mine, but my, my, me, we basically come to the conclusion that this is a best case scenario molestation, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's, that's where the, right. that's like the groundwork, mm-hmm. right? Now, 
I go a little bit different direction where like I put myself in it. I think there is a world where I could make it more autobiographical. I'm thinking like where I could be reacting to the documentary, right? Like, like the thing that always touched me, I mean, I guess I'll just maybe give part of it, but the thing that always touched me about the documentary is that the kids kept saying he was my hero. He was my hero. And that's what triggers my joke because my joke is like getting molested by my hero. Right. So like maybe I just jump to that and then I cut out the similar, you know, lines. We use a thing about Hawaii. I can cut that. You know, I have a thing about going to Hawaii. I can cut that. And, you know, it's uh, we'll see. I don't think so. I think you just did it. Another thing you could do, which is something that you are uniquely positioned to do. Right. Would be to create a YouTube video that talks about all this stuff. Yeah. Where you present your joke and say, hey, look, here's an example of a fascinating thing that happens in comedy. Yeah. And maybe that's only interesting to us because we're in it. Yeah. But to say, look, here's this <sighs> God doing a very similar thing. And yeah. here's my version. What do you like? Leave yeah. It to the people. There is a, there's a, we thought about that. We definitely thought about that. Just doing a little preface like, hey, this happens. But like the problem with that is I think you could prime people to like look for joke theft. Like, and mm-hmm. once you get that stench on you, motherfuckers yeah. are looking for it. It's like, you know, when like, yeah, why are you explaining yourself? Yeah. You know I mean? Yeah. You need to be. Yeah. And like, you know, like when you're in high school and someone goes, yo, I think Todd is gay. And like, you're like, word. And then all of a sudden Todd comes in the next day. He got kind of short shorts and you're like, yo, is Todd yeah. gay? Everything's mm-hmm. a sign. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. So it's like, it's one of those things where we got to balance, mm-hmm. you know? And for me, and also it's just like a respect thing. Like if, if I, I don't know. Dude, if if a big comic that I really respect was like, bro, I love that tag. Can I use that? It would work perfectly. I'd be like, yeah, I'd be honored if you use it. Like, I'm going to write more stuff. But to, like, play mm-hmm. any part in that. So right. maybe I have too much respect for the OGs. But, like, it's like they're the reason why we're even talking right now. Like, we all touched. Chappelle all influenced us in a right. way to do comedy. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like, yeah, those guys, Chappelle, Rock, you know, um, Patrice. Those guys could do no wrong for me. Right. There's a joke that I was I've been working on that has to do with uh, how in August it was too hot for sex and it just gets too wet. Like there's too much juice. Right. And I was talking about how, you know, my girlfriend and I like we try to dry each other out before sex. And how, you know, we, I, I insist on us having sex on her side of the bed because I'm stronger than her. Like I lift and she doesn't. Yeah. yeah. And what's she going to do about it? Yeah. And I saw a clip of Chris Red doing a bit about the wet spot on, on the, the bed, bed. from wow. sex. Yeah, yeah. But I think there were two things that made me think it was okay to keep moving forward with this yeah. joke. And one was... Uh, we go in very different directions. Yes. You know, the general concept is the same, that it's unpleasant to sleep basically in the wet spot created yes. from right. sex. Yeah. But the second part is, and this is absolutely no disrespect to Chris Red. Yeah. But if he had the stature of a Dave Chappelle, I would be far less likely sure. to continue building this because I would know that his joke had almost become ubiquitous. Yeah. And I wouldn't be able to escape the shadow yeah. and the uh, sort of thoughts of people thinking, you borrowed that. Right. Yeah. You cut your losses. So unfortunately, you know, that's, that's 
I think a big part of it. Hundred percent. And yeah. and you should you have the exact right thinking. Yeah. He's not big enough where you can't touch that topic because he's not bleeding into everything. It's like you right. put one drop of blood in water, the water turns red. That's what Chappelle is. Mm-hmm. Right. Chappelle is a black hole. He's gravity. It's like anything in that space will be absorbed. Right. right? Mm-hmm. So it's like whatever. He's like white women. Like, <laughs> do you know? I can't wait to hear this. Like, <laughs> do you know when like, like white girls will do something from another culture, right? They'll like, you know, mm. take like an Indian headdress or right. they'll like take cornrows, right? And then the next week it's like, Look at uh, hair twists, this new trend and blah, blah, blah that Gigi Hadid is doing. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's like it's actually not white girls fault, but there's so much gravity Mm -hmm. around them. Right. There's so much money to be made. It's like capitalism kicks in and it's like, yeah, let's name this shit after them because those are the people that we see doing it. The Kardashians Mm -hmm. get blamed for this all the time. Right. Like we're drawn to cool. We should copy cool. Whatever's cool, we copy doesn't matter if it's black people invented it, white people invented it, Asians invented it. We're all going to do what's cool because we think that will further our chances of, you know, having kids and shit, right? But certain people are just so massive, like Chappelle, that if they do it... That's it. Do we need to hear anybody else talk about the Mike Jackson thing? Like, there's probably interest in my circles with my joke just because they can't hear it, right? But Mm -hmm. outside of that, they're like, yeah, we heard it. That was... Like, he, he really hit a bunch of topics and we don't need to hit anymore right for a while and burr's got an interesting michael jackson bit and i'm curious to see how because he's big too i'm curious to see how the reaction will be to that mm. and how actively i mean he's obviously paying attention to that right yeah the on his same level who, that's gotta piss you off it's gotta suck it's like but and and maybe i'm partially to blame to this but like you're gonna see a lot more of this happening because now that two two ways. One, now that you can access someone's material so easily and post it on Twitter, you can show parallel thinking so easily. Mm-hmm. Totally. Right? Before it was like, oh shit, is it coming on HBO? Okay, I'll put it on Real HBO. Quick, and yeah. then you throw a cassette in your recorder and then you record it and then you have to find someone to give that cassette to. It was impossible. It was just hearsay. But now you can do these like clip images. Mm-hmm. Look at this. And it's even... Easier now because everybody's sharing their shit. Yeah, and you can prove your point. You can make it, manipulate it to make it even more true. Exactly. So it's like you're going to see tons of people with parallel thinking and proof. And initially there's going to be this like outrage shit about it. And eventually we're all going to realize, oh shit, I guess we kind of have similar ideas. And to be honest, that was, that wasn't the impetus for the, for the special, the, the crowd work special. But part of me was just like, I just want to have fun. On stage, I just want this to be fun, and you can't say that any of these things were recreated because you did. What do you follow? You have a Punjabi guy in the front row in every right. one of your show, you know. So it's totally. just like, <laughs> let's just have fucking fun. Why are we? Why are we taking all this shit too serious? You know. Totally, dude. Let me ask you a question. Oh, I'm sorry, what were you saying? After it. Oh yeah. So that's, so I was thinking about this, and like we were talking about the idea of how you deal with something that could be considered a mistake. And actually, you can even think to yourself, this was not a mistake, and maybe that can be a thing that's true. So we were noticing, um, you did the joke about the general manipulation or whatever, right? General (laughs) mutilation. Dude, that's a way bigger joke. That was a one-off line. That might have been what got me shadow banned. But the one-off line that I posted 
wasn't even a full that was part of an episode of dropping in it was right. like i'm just throwing a one-off so thing quick. because i have so many somali fans so it was an instead of pandering to my like i have a very diverse audience so i don't pander to them i tease them in a very specific way that allows them to know that i know about their culture the term walahi is a term that like it means, I think, like, uh, praise to God or something like that. But, uh, Great pronunciation. Thank you. Do you know it? Do you know the word? I know, oh, so but, uh, uh <laughs> so it could be horrible pronunciation. <laughs> but, uh, but the, the idea is like saying something like that and knowing the little forehead thing, they're like insecure about that shit. But it's just a way of going, appreciate y'all. Right. You're That's all it is. Them. Right. They fucking lost their mind, bro. Not the ones in my crowd. Right. But the ones who've never seen my stand up or anything like that, and they're a tight knit community, and they fucking went for it. Sorry to cut you off. Go no, on. dude, it's crazy. I mean, no, this that's is what we want to hear. This is what we want to hear. So that's crazy. Yeah. So then I was like, "Oh shit, crazy!" And I was thinking about bumped into Akash or something, and I just remember then the next thing I saw about it was you reading them out loud and laughing your ass off. And I was like, oh, were you there for that? No. This is how this has to be. Oh, handled. maybe I was. That was that episode. Yeah. I think you were there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. This is how you own it. And then it was just over and it didn't become something like you didn't back down. Never. And it's just not backing down, man. It's like you, if you give into the mob, they'll eat you alive. And then they see you're weak. Like these right. people, bullies, what are bullies, right? These people are like pseudo bullies, right? Like, but bullies are not like confident, powerful people, right? They're like insecure people, you know? So it's like the idea is always if you stand up to a bully, then they'll back down. You know, I remember there was this kid who used to punch me in the head on the way to, like, the bus when I was in elementary school. He would just punch me in the head. And then, I don't know why the fuck I did this. I didn't see, at this, I was in elementary. I didn't see any movies about standing up for myself. I didn't learn. There was no precedent set. But I remember once I just got pissed off and I punched this guy in his fucking face. And then, like, this, I remember he had this little welt under his eye. And we got in the bus and he was talking all this shit about what he was going to do to me. Nothing ever happened. He was like nice. Now we were like friends. And I was like, oh shit, people are pussies, man. Like, this is crazy. So, with that, it was just like, if you don't apologize, you don't, you lean in further, there's nothing they can do. They'll shadow ban you. These types of things will happen, but they'll, they're not going to do nothing to you. That's why they make comedy clubs do shit to you. Like, that's why they, like, put the onus on the club, right? Is because they're like, you haven't been punished enough, so the justice system doesn't get you. We'll make mm-hmm. the comedy club do it. We'll make Instagram do <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, you remember when <laughs> Louie came back and was doing spots at the cellar, the people took issue with the cellar for not letting them know that he was going to be performing that night. They just need justice. Like, yeah. like it's just like um, when they, there's an imbalance in justice, people seek some sort of, like, judicial figure to like restore balance, mm-hmm. you know, and that's always the owner of the club or the owner of the business. How could you sponsor Francis's podcast? He has talked about a dead girl. I will be removing my business from hims or wherever the fuck, mm-hmm. right? It's it has nothing to do with hims. It's just they want you to be slapped, right? And they're too pussy to walk up and slap you. One of the fascinating, oh. in, in light of that, one of the fascinating things that I've seen is that. You know, I issued my apology on Twitter uh-huh. and everybody was like, wow, how sweet. This this is really nice. I didn't expect to see it. You've handled this in such a classy way. Uh-huh. And then I waited a couple weeks and I then returned to being a comedian, which is making fun of the things that have happened to you in life. Yeah. And I recently published just a snippet of a song where I have that line and I say, I was fired for writing about a dead girl. I didn't think that it would cause a stir. 
but the Washington Post and the Daily Mail wrote my story in grim detail, and the only person who'd have traded with me was, was her. Was her. I love that line. That's a great line. Yeah. I talked to you about that. And <laughs> it, the people who like me loved it. They were yeah. like, he's fucking back. Yeah. And then there were a lot of people who had come to my side when I apologized mm -hmm. and then felt like I had betrayed them yeah. by somehow going against my apology. Yeah. And there was this one guy, yeah. Gabe was his name, who wrote, huh, seems like you've really learned your lesson about, you know, not making fun of the dead girl. And I just couldn't help myself. I wrote back, shut the fuck up, Gabe. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't help myself. I was just like, really? His name's got an insult baked into it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> just remove the B. <laughs> and, and since then... I've been doing a lot of, uh, of of jokes about it, and it's been really Good. nice. Do it. It's been really it's, nice. Here's the thing. Those people that come to your side don't care about you. No. They're on the side of their ideology. Right. Right? So this is why, like, the worst fans in the world are, like, progressives. And we're all progressive here. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. the new progressive. Like, mm -hmm. the super woke people. Because they're not on the side of your comedy. They're on the side of your opinion. And if your opinion changes, then you're the first person to go. Like a real mm -hmm. fan of, you know, Julia or Francis fucks with you, whether you want to have an opinion that's pro-abortion or anti-abortion, it don't matter. They're just fucking with you and your ideas and creativity and your jokes, right? So the cancel culture people are the easiest people to get on your side, right? They love to retweet. And that's what most people do, right? They virtue signal to get retweets. But they're also the first people to consume you. So it's like, fuck those fans. Ten of those fans isn't worth, a hundred of those fans isn't worth one real one. Or yeah. one real support. And, you, and and by leaning into that and pandering to that, you just look such a pussy. Mm. And, it, and it's obvious. You know what I mean? And you're like, oh, yeah, like, um, I mean, inclusive uh, gender. You know, when I see people saying that shit on stage, I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Dude, you're, you're, you're not being real, dude. Yeah. You're a fucking, you're fake. Nobody feels this way. It's like, I have guaranteed the most diverse audience in comedy. You probably see it when you, yeah. when you come dude, on my 100%, show. 100% you do. 100%, right? Never 100%. once have I said the word inclusive Never once have I said the word diverse. Never once have I asked for that. All I did is say, I like telling fucked up jokes. Guess who likes that? Everybody. Puerto Ricans, blacks, whites, Indian. Yeah. It's like if you pick something that everybody can get behind, they're going to do it. Never once has the NBA say, we need more diverse fans. No, just put the best fucking players on the floor and we'll all watch them. Simple as that. Right? Yeah. It's not that hard. But it's these people from it's it's like only people who don't have any minority friends that preach this inclusion inclusion shit. That's so true, dude. Right? It's so annoying. Mm -hmm. It's like these cul-de-sac folks that are like, we need to make sure there's more diversity. Where's your diversity? Yeah. I, I've never seen you with a black guy. Right. Like diversity is not a big deal for people like me. Like I grew up in a city. Those were my friends. We weren't going, look how cool we are. Hey, right. look, look how represented our group is. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah, it was like it was it was odd if it wasn't it was like wait you only hang out with white people like that was weird for us so like when i see like people applauded like look at the diversity in this cast it's like what fucking year are you it's not 1860 if you had a black friend in 1860 in maryland bravo bro like yeah. bravo like yeah. that shit was illegal you know so i don't know these people 
They drive me crazy. Yeah, I just yeah, see that fantasizing like ideology like that Ugh. in a way that doesn't make any sense. It's like, like like you said, you don't live around any black people. You don't live around diversity, and then you want to preach about some struggle that you don't even understand from a people that you don't even know. Yeah, it's really crazy. It's because they it's because they feel guilty about it. Yeah. They truly feel guilty about it. It's just like hmm. that's another thing white people got to do is like stop just like like I, these white people who are like just let themselves be bullied. You know, they're like, like you see these, like, you're not allowed to have an opinion. You're white or something like that. It's like, tell that person to shut the fuck up. It's like, if you don't tell them to shut the fuck up, it's because you don't respect them. Mm. Like, you really feel so, it, you know when like a little kid hits you and you're like, aw. <laughs> That's those white people that just let themselves get like bullied by minorities. They'll like go into those like diversity functions they're like i am checking my privilege so i will tap out of this conversation and just oh, listen but but what that is is that white person thinks they're so superior that's white supremacy real talk they think they're so superior than all those minorities in that room that they're like well i mean i can't just i can't hit back when the little baby's hitting my ankles you know he's mm-hmm. kicking my shins what am i supposed right. to do right. like that is the most disgusting form of it condescending because those like racist whites in like the south the kkk motherfuckers and shit like that they don't have no money. They can't really change culture. They don't do nothing. They just fucking sit there. Back in the day, they were like dragging blacks around and shit like that. But like now, like when was the last time you heard of like a KKK guy killing a black dude? Do you know what I mean? Right. When was the last time you heard one of these like elitist liberals calling the cops on a black guy selling fucking waters on the street? Right. Every week. Right. Oh, okay. I'm glad you said that. I thought you were going to say that. Barbecue. Well. Right. No. But yeah, exactly. Every week. Cons- it's like... And those, the elitist motherfuckers will look at the people down south and be like, oh, all Southerners are so racist. And it's like, yeah, but when that music gets a little loud in an apartment, 8J, what right. are you doing? Right? Are, right. are you calling a cop? You're calling the cops, aren't you? They're a little loud, aren't they? That's fascinating. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. dude, totally. In the south, you don't deal with that because they don't let them live in the neighborhood. easy fix guys (laughs) you guys stay over there with your music we'll stay over here with our no music (laughs) well dude listen but you have to be to do what you're doing and the stuff that you're saying that you live by that you've proven that this is what you do Mm -hmm. it's easy to say that you want to be like that or you think that way but then in practice like I get I get scared dude and I think we all do and I think that we admire as a community we admire your bravery yeah, but, and I understand why you get scared. That makes perfect sense. But that's where we got to step in. And totally. like, we got to, that's where we got to step in and we got to like protect comics. Because it's easy to talk about it for retweets. But another thing is doing something about it. Like, and I, this is what I wanted to ask you in the beginning, but like that whole thing with Dina. Right. You know what I mean? And I know you're a huge X fan. So I, I just want, and still, I just wanted to get your perspective on that. But like, my thing with Dina was like, like, I hit her up, and I was like, anytime you want to come on the road, just let me know. It's not, I don't even know her comedy. It's not about that. It's about sending a message that, like, if we do the jokes we want to do, and someone tries to cancel us, we won't have our livelihood taken away. So it's like, if you really support her, take her on the road so she can continue making a living doing comedy, and that will send a message to other comics, which is, oh, shit, I should push the limits, because... My comedy brothers got my back. Right. Everybody yeah. talks about we're a brotherhood and that kind of shit. But when it comes time to be brothers, it's like, 
I, I got an uh, yeah. opener already. Uh, you yeah. know, do you have a car? Can you, mm. can you drive me? Or worse, <laughs> or like, like uh, I'm actually in talks with Comedy Central about, Oh, you know, all the time. Yeah, I don't yeah, want to, I don't want to ruffle feathers. Right, right. Yeah. I'm in a unique situation at where I can have less fear than most, at most. And the reason why I'm here is because I had no options. You know, it's like when you become a boxer or like a cage fighter, you don't do that because you have other options. You have literally nothing else. Like everybody who's a boxer could do nothing else with their life. So they had to do that. And that was my situation with stand-up. It was like nobody wanted me. So I had to pursue this avenue and I had to figure out a way. To make it. Right. So I had nothing to lose where you, you might have meetings with True TV and these other people. and And they put that little bait, right? They put that little... That, you know, they put some little fish on the hook and they got it right in front of you. You're like, oh, we love your idea. We're looking for something for you. And you leave the meeting. You're like, I'm going to get a show on True and I'm going to move out of this fucking apartment and everything's going to be good. And then it's like, ah, oh, well, we pass on that, but let's keep. And it's just, and they have those meetings with everybody. It's like, mm-hmm. and it's not that you shouldn't be excited, but for me, my whole thing is I wasn't going to live my life hoping to get a sitcom every year. That's too much stress. Yeah. I needed to, eat what I hunted. I don't, fa- I'm not like a farmer, but I'm a farmer, right? It's like, I, I plant the seeds. These are these videos. And then I come harvest, right? That's because I can plant it. And then I can harvest it. Mm-hmm. You know, there are certain people where it's like, they need that million dollar deal from Netflix or Amazon or HBO yeah. every year because they have a mortgage to pay with it. You don't have any leverage over me in a special negotiation Cause I already do it for free. Yeah, yeah. You can't keep it. So powerful, right? Very, that's that's so uh, unusual. I mean, to 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 be in your position, I think it to is. Not be it beholden is. to anything. It is, and I and I don't deny that it's different. But it's just like one. You know, Francis knows this. Anything you need help wise, I'll help you. So you can try to build this. You know, and and then build something similar to what I have. But also it's like the blueprint is laid out for everybody to go do it. Like I'm not selfish with this. Like if anything, I want more comics to do it because I think it makes comedy better. You know, like any comic who reaches out that I'm like even half friends with, even comics that I'm not friends with, even comics that I know have talked shit about me because it comes back. This is what people are so stupid. They think this is not this small business. It's like I hear everything. It's going to come to me. But I know you don't know better. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, even in the beginning of the career where, like, I knew this was going to happen, but I know that maybe you didn't know. So I can't be upset at you for something you don't know yet. Right. Right? I mean, you could, but it's big of you to not. It doesn't do anything. Because right. it's not about me. It's about, not you, but it's about that person or these people. Like, it's just about them. It's like, they, everybody wants something. Right. You know? Yeah. So it's like... I don't, I don't care. I don't, I don't really care about that, but like, yeah, absolutely. Anything I can do to help, you know, dude, you've always been very helpful to me and I appreciate it very much. I think one thing that we shouldn't overlook is that the way that you're doing it is way fucking harder a for a bunch of reasons. Yeah. One of them being part of what we do. Like we, we get off on validation. Yeah, and it's so easy to get that validation in that meeting where they're like, "Well, let's put together the sizzle, and yeah. we're gonna bring it around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll sign you with a deal. You call your parents. You're proud. You know what I mean? It's harder to do that when you're like, oh, 'Oh, I'm putting this stuff out for free, and everybody's doubting you, and everybody doubts you until it works.' Yes, and that's hard, man. Yeah, you know what I mean, so my, good my, for you. Yeah, it's a. Uh, 
Yeah, it's one of those things where it's like, it's so easy to get like petty or like resentful based on it. But a buddy of mine said this, said this to me early. He's like, when people start to come around, you got to let them come around. And, uh, I was like, I was like, what do you mean? He goes, he goes, do not take this the wrong way. You ain't shit. He goes, but prophets let people convert. Now I'm not saying I'm prophetic in any way. What I'm saying is like, if you are leading people, you have to allow them to, you have to allow yourself to lead them, right? It's like, you'd be a really shitty religion if everybody who was the other religion was like, okay, I'd like to come on board. And you were like, no, fuck you. Oh, you didn't like me then. You go to hell now, yeah. right? Like, if, you know, so it's like, if you really believe, unless you're the Jews, right? That's, that's a, they're like, sorry. They are. They no, you, can't, you can't come. Uh, sorry, sorry. This is What's our your table. mother's, uh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're gonna be half Jewish <laughs> at best, bro. It's so funny, but um, the uh, but yeah, that was the idea. It's like if if yeah, you just like if you're ready to push and you're ready to go to the next next level, it's like you have to let people catch on. And I don't resent them at all. I hope that when they find cool new innovations, they tell me. Like I hope if I've given you any value, and then like you guys are like, yo, there's this new thing, and this app will lets you transcribe this. You should check it out. Like. Dude, thank you so much. Mm-hmm. That's that's really what it is. But I want everybody to get that's worthy to get in a con, like a position where they can not need shit mm-hmm. because eventually they'll start calling the agency. You know, the agencies call and then the Netflix and that kind of shit calls, and it's like, and and you just gotta like figure out, okay, is this worth it? It's like the idea of turning down Netflix was mind boggling to me a few years ago. You know, right? And then like. And then last week we said that we weren't interested in an offer. And it's like, and because we, we truly weren't interested, not that it was bad necessarily, but it just wasn't the right thing, you know? And I guess that that's all I'll say is like, just define your value and then justify it. That's pretty cool. That's yeah. pretty cool to hear. Yeah. Because people, people, people have asked me, uh, you know, if Barstool asked you to come back, would you take it? Mm-hmm. And I think the answer is no. Sure, but it it just depends on your situation. Uh, there's no enemies yeah, in business. It, no enemies, right? In and it's not because I resent them or yeah, anything yeah. else. I just think that there's more to be gained now on my own, dude. Again, great, but I think leaving on good terms is that's something I learned from Kaz, my boy Kaz. Mm-hmm. He's just flagrant two with me. Oh yeah. So, like, he got fired by the WWE, but he was so grateful for the opportunity and so loving. Mm-hmm. They just offered him a morning show on the WWE. Like, that's awesome. Th- awesome. In in this business, like. When you get to the top of this business, like like real wealthy and like influential people, there's no like beef isn't anything. It doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. Like it's not right. personal doesn't exist. When you deal with these like lower level execs, like they're like, I didn't believe in him early on, so I'm gonna stick to that. And it's like that's why you're lower level. Like the the elite elite are the sociopaths that can look you in the face and be like, I don't think you got anything. And then five years later go, you are the truth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And they will do that. Yeah. And you have to respect them because they remove their ego. They will look like an idiot to make their business successful. Mm-hmm. And that's what you have to be too. If Barstool, Barstool is about to be a billion dollar company. Like. I disagree. Uh, I would put money on it. And your boy Portnoy got fucked over in it. It's really kind of funny. And I wonder if he sees it yet. Like I got an offer for a special, right? That was 
we haven't, you know, agreed on it or anything like that, but I got a seven figure offer for a special, right? So it's like, when I get that, my first reaction is, what else is happening? What else is happening about me that I don't know yet? I hit my agent. I go, what's going on out there? What, who's talking? I know the New York Times article came out. I know Montreal was good, but like something else. Because that doesn't come in unless conversations amongst powerful people are happening. And and when they have and then then when they have those conversations, people that are maybe beneath them or or like, you know, on on the side will be like, "Okay, this is a worthy investment." You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. So what I'm like, what do they How know do that I don't know? Game? Yeah. What what do I like cuz right now, let's say you give me this, you could have got the deal. If there's some crazy shit happening, bubbling up, where the powers that be are like, nah, this kid is next. And it's too big It's too big to fail right now. So it's like, we've seen the trajectory. We've seen the data. We've seen the numbers. It's about to explode. If you get in early with this now, it's going to be a bargain because right. I got to know that. So if somebody comes to me trying to buy my business, I want to know exactly what's going on. Fair. Do you fear or ever think that having that level of professional suspicion might prevent you from truly enjoying some of the massive successes that you could have? No, because that's extra money. Like, that's not real. Like, this is, if I take it, I take it. If I don't, I don't. It doesn't matter. Yeah, but for some people, getting a seven-figure contract for a special... yeah. Regardless of whether or not there is something that is better out there for you, right, is something to celebrate and champion and hold up as a total validation of who you've become. A little bit, but like I'm not one of those people who like takes pictures in front of the logo of the network I'm meeting with. Fine. Do you know what I'm saying? Let's that? say just the very act of depositing the, the check. The success happened already for you. Not even like, that. I'm like saying you're like you're happy before you get that million dollar offer. You're happy. With I'm the happy product. before, and then I'm happy that. after it's there. Right. But like, I'm not going to be happy in the middle. Just for that, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's got to be signed, sealed, delivered. Right. Right. So like, I got to know exactly what it is, and maybe it's something that I want to do, and maybe it's the right thing, or maybe it's not. But like, I can't. I can't get too excited about the getting it is validating, right? Because I remember someone maybe wanted me to sell them my last special views. And I told them it was a week before I was about to release it. And I said, well, I got to release it on YouTube in a week. And they're like, don't release it. We want to buy it. And I was like, all right, well, it's a million dollars. I just made it up. Literally nobody (laughs) wanted to buy it. So it was worth zero dollars. Right. One hundred million dollars. <laughs> Real talk, Doctor okay. Evil type shit. Like yeah. it was, and and you know what's crazy is like to to say that, and then you know six or eight months later to be able to like be offered something. It's like oh shit, you just invent your worth. It's just patents, right? It's like you just the, the zipper's mine. Why? Well, because I called it. That's all patents is, is called it. Right. Like we made that government regulated called it. <laughs> called like it. That's, <laughs> how stupid is that? Shotgun. <laughs> With shotgun for yeah. ideas, bro. Yeah. It's so stupid. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that's I guess that's all I'm saying is just like yeah. make make money if I, for anybody, you guys, for anybody. It's just like make money outside of other people's control. Like make money outside the industry's control. And then they have no 
ability to leverage anything over you. It's like if you can pay your rent, feed yourself without them, what they have to you decide your value after that. You can say I'm worth ten million dollars. They're like, we want to do a special with you, ten million. Well, no, we're not interested. Okay, I'm not interested. Okay. Mm. Right. Right. Well, how about five? You don't have to do that. Yeah. Right. You could do whatever. Like it's just it don't matter. Right. I, I think that's what's that's what I would recommend. That's what I'm trying to get comics to do. Totally. So well, one one thing before we wrap up here. Yeah. No I remember this. This must have been ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Maybe maybe eight years ago, whatever. We're sitting at a comedy club. I'm sitting with you. Which one? This is this is uh, so this when the stand area? just opened, so it wasn't ten years ago, okay. six years ago, five years, whatever. But we weren't at the stand. Maybe, maybe we're in New York Comedy Club. I don't remember. I don't okay. know where we were. We're sitting there. I came. Up, I was talking to you. I was like, "Hey, man." I was like, "When we're when you're at the club and like there's people walking around and like, do you ever feel awkward?" Like, do, yeah. and you literally looked at me. You're like, "Dude, do you, man?" <laughs> I literally think about that once a week. Why? And because, dude, it's true. Like at the end of the day. Like you're doing what you have to do. Like they, they don't matter. Like the person who's not being nice to you, who doesn't like you, or you feel like you don't fit in. Like that doesn't matter. And I have to remind myself that, and I appreciate that. Bro. And I feel like you know little words 100%. of wisdom and stuff, which I have always admired you a lot. Doug, you know where I picked mm-hmm. up on that? I remember it was the first time Dane Cook came to the cellar to the back table, and we're at the back table, and Dane sits down, and. All these comics start kissing Dane's ass. And I'm looking around this table. And I'm like, you motherfuckers talk so much shit about this man. And now he's here. And y'all going to suck his dick in, in front of me? Like, like, you don't know that I know you talk shit. Like, that would embarrass me. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not one to talk shit on comics. Like, I, I just, especially publicly, I think that's G-code. Like, you just don't do it. You know, like, that's, you keep that to yourself, or you can tell you're, like, close. But if you're going to talk shit about somebody to me, this your friend, what the fuck are you going to say about me when I leave? Yeah. So when I saw that utter bullshit, I was like, oh, my God, this is, it's like, I'm, I was at the cellar once, and Apatow was there, and this was after he was tweeting the Louis shit. And I sat down at the, the table and I was like, I was just like, yo, why'd you tweet the shit about Louie? You know, like, what was up with that? Like, and I was just kind of like, you know, talking to him about it. not like aggressive, but just like, yo, like, I want to know what's going on. And it blew my mind that that conversation hadn't come up yet. Like, here, here we are, the round table, the back table at the cellar, you know, the, the Patrice's, the Colin Quinn, this is the legacy of this table. And y'all are just going to kiss ass to get in the fucking new Pete Davidson movie or something like mm. it's just it's, once I saw that it was all bullshit. And once I saw that, like, people are nice to the people that can provide them with shit and the people that can help them. And that's where loyalty often lies with a lot of people. I realized like I'm not giving a fuck. Don't worry. There's there's like a there's that insecure part of all of us that wants to be validated by our peers. Nothing feels better than a comic telling that you that you're great or like a comic loving you. Right. Because of, you know, the esteem that we hold for them. But in reality, it's like that's their shit, dog. I can't dictate my life on their shit because y'all not paying to see me. Y'all not paying my mortgage. If you like me, it's not filling out the theater. So, like, I can't curate my whole like these comics. They write their whole act so that they can make the comics laugh. Well, you know what? 
get used to it because that's the only people who are going to be laughing. Right. You know, you're going to be doing open mics for a long time. Hmm. It's fucking real, man. Yeah. Uh, this Love has that. been uh, an amazing episode of, of Oops! The Podcast Great to have with you. Andrew Schultz. Yo, Thank you so much for coming anytime, in. Anytime, guys. Where can we uh, find you? Internet, bro. YouTube, check out YouTube if you can watch that special. That would be great. The crowd work special. Yeah, man, watch that, man. I got two other projects up there as well. Views from the Sis and then 441. You can watch those and then just tons of clips. Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff, man. But just go check it out. Man, it's all for free. Oh, yeah. Go awesome, do that. Man. Oh, yeah. Thank y'all. Thank you, guys. See ya. Adios. <laughs>